podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of Footballers. In this week's Coach in the Pro Show, our own professional FIFA coach Steve Stokes checks in once again with AIK Pro Player and real-life UEFA coach Lucas Gummison. As a former Scandinavian champion with over 10 years' experience as a pro FIFA player, it's safe to say Lucas has pretty much seen it all. And in this episode, he reveals how he made it into the elite division using a Road to Glory team. He also discusses a variety of gameplay-related issues, including how to play through constant pressure and the benefits of using a direct attacking style. Further down to this episode, we will be revealing the winner of the 4,600 FIFA points. And if you want to take your game to the next level, you can do so by signing up for the Foot Academy at patreon.com forward slash foot academy. There you'll get in-depth coaching tutorials, tactics. There's also personal coaching from Steve himself if you manage to get into one of those limited slots while we still have them available. Let's get into it. Lucas, good morning. How are you doing up there all the way in the frozen north, Scandinavia, Sweden? Well, I'm feeling kind of depressed and I'm a little bit hungover <laughs> at the same time. I actually took off oh, no. last <laughs> I took off last night. Uh, I've been working pretty much every day, every night um, since since FIFA came out. I'm, 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 uh, I'm working with FIFA during the day and then I'm a football soccer coach in the evening and it's uh, it's been a lot on me. So I told the club, like, I need a night off. So I made my wife some dinner last night. We had a little bit of wine and we played Othello. And yeah, I'm a little bit hungover, but I guess I'm all right. Well, the little bit of FIFA chat will soon clear your head, I'm sure. Yeah. We'll get straight into it then. Obviously, last time we spoke to you, we talked about you running an RTG. So, I mean, I've I've been sort of keeping abreast of your streams, even though I don't understand a word that you're saying, as, as we discovered in, <laughs> in one of them. Uh, we won't go into that. But yeah, you've, uh, well, first of all, tell us a bit about the players that you were using because a lot of people listening to this won't have God squads, you know, they'll be using RTGs themselves. So mm-hmm. tell us a bit about some of the players that you liked, uh, maybe a bit about some of the characteristics that you're looking for when, when you're buying these cheaper players. Yeah. Um, so pretty much I've played with two different teams in my first champs and the first one, it was carried by Immobile and uh, we have Mane on the, on the wing, Dybala, like the cheaper players. I was looking for, for some kind of edge in the team. Like That's why I really like Immobile, especially in the beginning, because his shooting is really, really good. So he's going to score those goals whenever he gets the chance, or, well, at least more than most players would. It's still pretty difficult to score in this game. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, then I, I could afford getting Salah. So I sold my Immobile and my Dybala. And, um, decided to go with Mane and Salah up front for this weekend league. And um, yeah, I got Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Van Dijk even. So a few upgrades into the team uh, from the rewards. I didn't really pack anything. I packed like, um, I think I packed some player that was worth 60K or something. I don't, I don't even know how I get coins. People always ask me, how do you get so many coins? Like, I don't even know. Like, I, I'm not even packing anything, but. <laughs> I lost keep... glitch. So I <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I was playing with that. And then. I packed Theo Hernandez in form from my rewards. Uh-huh. So uh, that was like an extra 200K or something into the club. And with the 100K that you get from finishing rank one, that was like another 300,000, which is not 300,000 a year ago. Uh, you can you can get a <laughs> lot of good quality players for 300,000 yeah, coins yeah. this year. So um, I decided to get uh, one of the better players in the game, Messi. 
Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him playing with him in the draft and my teammate he asked him so whenever we play two on two is like using Messi is uh it's a really uh it's a pleasure and uh I I really wanted to get rid of my right side where I play with Dumfries and Skriniar and uh Barella and uh I decided to keep Barella and get Vidal the new Vidal card because I've always li- liked uh, Arturo in in the game uh ever since like FIFA 15 16 when he's playing Juventus and then obviously the triangle from FIFA 17 with the uh, Alaba and Boateng. Ever since then, I've loved using him, loved his uh, fifth birthday card last year. So I really wanted to try his card, especially with the strong link to my inform Barella. So it's a pretty strong midfield then with Messi being the cam. And then I decided to go with Jonathan David, his inform card up front instead of Ben Yedder. It's just seemed more fun that way. I know he lacks the skill moves, but who's using skill moves this year anyways? And then I got a red Theo Hernandez as well, pairing him up with my red Lozano. So I was pretty lucky with the reds, I suppose. I've got to ask you about Dumfries and Skriniar, because you did use those two for quite a while, didn't you? How, how did you get on with those? Are, are those sort of cheap cards that people could look to add to their squad? Or is that something they should avoid at all costs? No, no, like Skriniar is one of the best defenders in the game. I really recommend him. Same with Van Dijk. I love them. But Dumfries, which is not good enough. Like he, he's yeah. he's all right defensively. And I mean, he you can pick him up for a discard price, but his his passing is just like awful. And sometimes he's a little clumsy, but he's all right. I, I just play with him to get the strong leg to Skriniar. And I think that triangle, Barella, even like normal Barella, Skriniar and Dumfries is a really good triangle to have um, to get the strong links. So like, I I'd definitely recommend them, at least uh, Skriniar. Speaking of triangles, you've very much gone to the dark side defensively, haven't you? You've, you've opted for the, the Paris Saint-Germain Bermuda triangle of, of Kimpembe, Marquinhos and Donnarumma. So how are you finding those? Yeah, I've played a few games with them. Um, I did. I do think that Skriniar and Van Dijk was a better partnership at the back oh, right. than yeah. Marquinhos and Kimpembe. But I really wanted the Donnarumma. He's so much better than Allison. Allison was so bad, and it leaves me the option to get Hakimi. So I got Hakimi as my right back now, which is <laughs> quite an upgrade from Dumfries. For sure. Strangely enough, Dylan Campbell, who we had on last week, said to me that he thought that Donnarumma is the worst goalkeeper in the database. Oh, really? Uh, who does Probably he want? exaggeration. He wants Brian Thunderstar or something? That's the only goalkeeper I'll do for <laughs> Maybe, maybe so. And now it is time to reveal the winner of the 4600 FIFA Point giveaway made possible by the Footballers Production Team and FIFA U Team. FIFAUteam.com, the one-stop shop for everything you need in foot. Information, schedules, rewards, it's all there. If you're not following us on Twitter, it's at FootballersPod, Footballers with a Z, and at FIFA U Team. Without further ado, let's reveal the winner of the 4,600 FIFA points. And the winner is Neil D, otherwise known as at Neil Donahoe. Congratulations, Neil. Get in touch with us via DMs on Twitter, or you can reach us in the Discord. The link to that Discord is at footballers.com. It's on the homepage. Congratulations. So, yeah. You've gone down the more meta route. And obviously, you know, a lot of things would have changed since we last spoke. We've had a patch out. You've become more familiar with the game as well, I guess. So talk to us a little bit about about things that you've noticed that have changed. 
things that you've noticed that work and don't work perhaps, you know, whereabouts are you now with the gameplay? I mean, it's, it's quite different, isn't it? Depending on who you play, it's still kind of difficult to score one-on-ones, I think. I'm still struggling mm. with that quite a lot, uh, which is a little frustrating, especially in the in the weekly where a lot of people are playing really defensively um, yep. and it's hard to get the space to score. Obviously, there was a patch. Finesses are not as effective anymore. Um, you can still score. I'm still trying to green time everything. But I do finesse quite a lot, especially now when I have Messi in the squad and Dybala coming back into the squad. Are you still running Dybala? No, nah, I sold him off and I bought him back now. Okay. And I, I really like him. So I got Dybala and Lozano on the wings and David uh, up front with Messi being the cam. It's quite a, I, don't, I wouldn't call that a meta attacking, you know, um, like pretty, pretty hipster, pretty hipster, but also kind of meta. Like it's hard to explain it. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like it's changed a lot. One thing that I, that I noticed, I was like, yeah, I am. I feel like I'm upgrading my team now, especially to what it was two weeks ago. But then again, so has everybody else. It doesn't even feel that much better, <laughs> you know. So it's so difficult scoring against these like top center backs, um, especially when people are not manually defending. And one thing that I, that's really bothering me is the agility of defenders in comparison to the agility of attackers. Yep. And the response time in shooting. Like sometimes I just wish there was a button where you would just shoot, just like. You don't have to power up, power up like a free kick kind of shot inside the just, box. Just like, just, you know, kick it quickly, you know, and you'll yeah. score. Like, you'll see those kinds of shots in real life, you know. It's really. a snapshot where yeah, there's no yeah. real sort of backlift. Exactly. Just like, just hit it quickly, you know, or just pass it into the net. I really miss that kind of shooting in, in the game. Apart from that, I, like I'm enjoying it, but it feels kind of boring somehow. Like um, in the same way that FIFA 21 felt. I don't know. Maybe it's me getting older. Like the game, it's not perfect, but it's not horrible either. Uh, it's just boring in general. Like us playing Ultimate Team is kind of boring. You pack something, you don't really care anymore. It feels like if I pack something in FIFA 17, or if there was an SBC coming out, or even a promo like. Everybody remembers Footmas or the Halloween thing in FIFA 17. Everything just feels boring. When it, whenever a new team of the week comes out, you just look at it and it's boring. You, you look at a promo, it's boring because you know you're not going to pack any of those players. You might want to try one of them like I did do now with Vidal. But it's just like everything is just uninteresting right now in, in FIFA. I don't know if I'm the only one, you know, thinking that way. But it just like it feels like we're playing the same game over and over and over again. It's something that I'm hearing at the, the higher ends of the game, certainly in the in the elite division where you are now. I think that uh I think the play style that you come up against kind of lends itself to, to that kind of frustration, as you call it, boredom with the game. And yeah, just just the way that things are set up this year perhaps, I think. But before everybody sort of turns off the podcast and goes and sells the game and that <laughs> sort of thing. Let's go back to uh to well, shooting, goal scoring, what have you. What are you doing to score the goals? Because obviously, if you're in the elite division, you've scored quite a few goals to get there. So what's working? How have you got there? Finesse's one-on-ones with the keeper. Um, a lot of passing. I feel like most of us are still kind of into this FIFA 20, FIFA 21 um, skill move, dribbling inside the box where you feel like you need to create that space on your own, Yeah, which is not as effective. You should try to pass the ball. And that's one thing that I've noticed. 
to get the space and then just try to shoot uh, as quickly as possible whenever you can in, inside the box. So that's basically how I score. I'm also a very counterattacking player. So I try to, uh, I get a lot of one-on-ones with the keeper for uh, using the L1 uh, double tapping triangle through ball. This is something that I've noticed actually. You, you're, uh, you're a big fan of manually triggering runs when you, when you do initiate a counterattack. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to get it to like two or three players, like just some quick passings and manually triggering the runs to get them running in behind. While we're here, actually, while we're talking about passes, we'll we'll come to listener questions in full a little bit later. But it seems like a good time to drop in a question from Paranoid Android from the Footballers Discord. And he wants to know, are driven passes ever worth it? I feel like there is too much sloppiness in reception. Now, the sort of received wisdom around driven passes is that they're that word that we love, OP, that, you know, that's the way to, to speed up the game, to get the ball zipping about a bit. So it's an interesting perspective, you know. Is, is there a, a negative payoff with driven passes? I think it's an interesting question. Uh, like, I, I mean, I think they're good. They're not OP. They're good in certain situations, just as shooting is good when you're one-on-one with the keeper. doesn't mean it's OP. Yeah. Like a driven pass coming from a center back to a striker, like we're talking like a 40, 50 yard pass. Yes, it's very, it's highly effective. It's very, very good. Same with the cutbacks. I, I, I could agree like them being a little bit OP, you know, uh, during cutbacks because it's so difficult intercepting them as it should be difficult scoring them. Um, so I, yeah. that's like the two areas where I would use a driven pass to try to get it to my striker quickly uh, when counterattacking or for the cutback and just sweating it. So what, what do you think is the downside of a driven pass? I've tended to find that there's not really that much of a problem with, with players controlling the driven pass. And obviously, you know, you'd know from your from your real life coaching that it's not necessarily that realistic. And that if a ball is absolutely pinged at a player from, from 15 yards away, it's just not going to stick to his boot. He's going to have trouble controlling it. So... I'm struggling to see any any downside of the driven pass, to be honest with you. No, like I I, I feel like it's balanced. I haven't really reflected on it, but it's an interesting take, and I'll I'll try to think about that when I whenever I play the game next time. Yeah, sure. Something as well that I'd add that I've found especially effective is that if you're playing a fairly wide formation, if you have the ball out on the wing and you want to get it into your strikers quickly, you can often get isolated against the centre back by just driving the ball in from the wing into your striker. There's normally an open passing lane between the two between the defensive back line and the midfield back line so that's a, a handy little tip for moving play inside to your striker there mm-hmm. the the other thing is second man press defending how how have you adapted there what have you changed i don't think a lot has changed like um i'm defending the way i have for the past 10 years <laughs> which is quite aggressive right yeah i mean yeah it is aggressive but like in certain areas i try to control my midfielders a lot. I try to set 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 traps up. Yeah. Leaving a space, you know, kind of like a goalkeeper would do during a penalty. You know, you just take one step to the side. You're kind of trapping the the player shooting, making you think that you, you know, you're not going to go that way, but then you go that way anyways because you've read that pass. It's hard to explain, but like just yep. leaving an op- just leaving a gap for them to exploit but not leaving it big enough for you not being able to intercept it because you know that they're going to pass it there. So you're just sort of tempting them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the problem with that is that EA doesn't want you to do that. So they they try to (laughs) make the pass work anyways. And 
I mean, it's working better this year than it has for the past two years because the the AI assistant uh, assistance on the passes has been so strong for the past two years. So that's one thing that I have really tried to adapt to this year. I still find myself passing the ball straight into an opponent. Yeah. Because on FIFA 21, 20 and 19, I would even say that was possible. Like, cause it would go through anyways, but it, it doesn't really go through as much this year, which is a good thing. So intercepting passes is a, is a bigger part of the game. You need to be a little bit smarter in the way that you play. I'm grateful for not having to defend against cancel croquettas and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Cause I feel like my strongest part of defending is intercepting and reading the game. Um, so I try to do that as much as possible. Uh, I'm happy that the second man contain is back. I don't, I still don't think that it's strong enough. It should be way stronger, but I'm happy that the AI is tackling the ball whenever an attacker just runs straight into them. And I feel like it's balanced. Like I, like I said in the beginning, I, I feel like the game is, it's fine. It's not bad at all. It's just boring in general, especially as you said with, um, with the rival system right now, I'm in, in the elite division. I don't really see why I would want to play in rivals. Um, because either I play against somebody who I don't think should be in something called an elite division, because I feel like everybody's going to end up there in the end, or I play against a pro that plays the game for 10 hours a day, and he has a god squad, not because he's deserved it, because he's paid for it. So I feel like I'm kind of caught in between there, because I'm better than everyone who's running a road to glory, but I'm not like that dominant to beat the pros you know uh with their god squads because i have to be that much better than them to beat them so it's kind of like it's hard it's hard right now but i do appreciate the the foot champ system being a little bit more casual this year well yeah that's that's what i was going to say actually because it's just it's kind of unimaginable a couple of years ago that foot champs weekend league has now become the sort of relaxed Casual game mode is weird. Yeah, but I feel I feel like the qualification is more competitive than the actual <laughs> the actual competition itself. Um, I feel yeah, I, I even lost two games because um, people are really. Yeah, uh, I lost one on penalties and I lost one because I got a red card early on. I was, I was pretty frustrated. Yes, it was bullshit, you know. But what still, did you do, Lucas? Come on. What okay, I I I, I kind of tackled when I was trying to block a shot. I was quite kind of shocked. That the ref showed him a red card and then I'd been dominating and then I just couldn't score. You know, uh, I think I had like eight expected goals or something scored too. It happens. It happens. But like people are playing so they're so try hard. Like they're trying so hard to drop back and defend. And it's so difficult, especially if they get like a free goal out of nowhere from a lucky bounce or whatever. But that's the way the game, I like, I, I'm totally fine with that. Like they're just trying to do whatever they can to win as many games as possible. Cause that's, the way that the game is designed. I do enjoy playing like Silver Lounge and stuff like that because I think like pro tournaments and stuff should be played in the silver, silver game mode. We'll see how good you do okay. uh, when you don't have the best players, the quickest players or whatever, you know. Interesting. Because you need to be so much better at the game. Like I've always like I've said that ever since you had to play with your own squad pretty much in in qualifiers and stuff like just play with like 80 rating on every player. Everybody can afford any player in that range. 
And you have to be so much more skilled in doing whatever. Like scoring a one-on-one with Mbappe. Yeah. Like that's easy. Anybody can do that. Like my grandma can do that. But like scoring a one-on-one <laughs> with a 78 rated, I don't know, Giroud. It's not the same thing, right? You need so much more space and your defenders are not going to catch up in the same way. Um, and it's not as forgiving. You know, you, you really need to be skilled. And I think we'd see a lot of different results if people play with worse players than they actually are right now in top level. So I enjoy that. It's just that people quit when you score the first goal. <laughs> that kind of sucks. That's frustrating, isn't it? You build these teams, you get these cards, and you never really get the chance to use them. We have got to get back to gameplay, though. And as I said earlier, we've got a few listener questions from the Discord. And before we get to them, though, actually, there's there's something that I wanted to to bring up um, just briefly, because it's it's been a pretty hot topic in the in the Foot Academy uh, Discord over the last few days. People have been having problems, and you know, hands in the air. I'll, I'll be honest here; I found it difficult this year as well. People have been having problems with right stick switching. Mm. It, it just it, it doesn't seem to work very well. I don't even know, man. I don't even know. Like, I, I, I got so frustrated yesterday when I was like, I just conceded a goal because I got the wrong player. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. It's so hit and it's, miss. Uh, it's terrible. It's random. It's inconsistent. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, the best players in the game, they would be good at, you know, player switching. But it's like, it doesn't even do what I'm telling it to do. So, like, how can you be skilled at mm. doing this? And that's kind of like a part of a big system of things that are bad. In the game, I suppose. Damn it! I low-key asked you that question because I wanted to improve my own right stick switching. <laughs> no, like I don't even know <sighs> what to say. Like it's um, <laughs> it's inconsistent. It's poor. It has been since FIFA 19. That's there. I think it's worse. Though, there this was year. something new with the switching in 19. There's just there's just been something that's been off in the player switching. You go back and play a game of FIFA 17, and that's one of the things that I noticed when I played like two years ago how good the switching is. It's so hard to explain what they do in okay. the switching. Just go back, just play one game. Like, find a friend, just play one game against them online. It doesn't even have to be ultimate team, just play ahead, like uh, with normal teams, whatever. You'll realize how good the player switching used to be in FIFA. It's, um, they changed something. But I bet we complained about it then. Um, yeah, but I, I promise you, like <laughs> something happened. I remember that from the capture event for FIFA 19. Uh, Something happened. Yeah, just something that we've got to deal with, unfortunately. I think piece of advice that I'd probably give is that if you end up, if you're defending deep and you need to make a player switch, if you've got the second man indicator on, which you really, really should have, you're probably just as well making a button switch because yeah. at least that way you know which player you're going to take control of and you're not going to run that risk of switching to somebody who's who's totally unable to, to influence what's happening in your yeah. area. So that's that's probably the safest option, I would say. Yeah. Right. So let's get to the questions then. Martin P from the Discord. We talked about this a little bit earlier. He wants to know, what is the most effective way to use second man press and in which areas of the pitch would you recommend it being used? I'll, I'll take the second part of that question, Lucas, and you take the first. I'd try to use it, especially on the wing. If you want to use a player to put pressure on the ball holder, you, you should do that. And then you should try to manually in, like um, cover the passing lane for a switch somewhere. Yeah, It's not as effective 
somebody has the ball in the middle of the pitch as it is on the wing. Because on the wing, you can put pressure just from a player pressing right in front of him. And then you can try to manually cover the switch um, yourself. Um, yeah, that's probably what I would do. Like, it's useful everywhere, I suppose. You've said pretty much exactly what I was going to say there. The, the analogy that I'd make is that when you're pressing, you, you can pretty much use the sideline as an extra defender. Yeah. Because obviously players don't want to go into touch. They don't want to put the ball out for a throw-in. And I'd, I'd actually I'd add to that and say that unless you really, really know what you're doing, it's pretty much dangerous to use it in central areas. Particularly, again, if you're backed up towards your own penalty area, it's very easy to make a mistake. Yep. I've conceded so many goals this year because I'm using it and a defender just runs out of his position out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> I saw it yesterday. I just didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It happens all the time. And that's my own mistake, you know? I mean, I obviously didn't intend for my player to do that, but he does. So I got to get that out of my game. I, th- I think that actually ties in with what we've just talked about. I think that to an extent yeah. is a legacy of not trusting player switching. It's just, it's, it's easy to hold down the contain button and, and force another defender to get there when you're not 100% confident that you can switch to the right play. I don't know. Yep. Yep. Right. Okay. We've got a question from Kurt and we always preface this by saying not the Kurt, just Kurt. He says, this is also a question relating to pressing, but on the opposite side of things, how can I get better at keeping the ball when being closed down by multiple opposing players. I'm not quite sure there whether he means when he's being closed down by the AI constant pressure. Yeah, I think he's or, talking about the AI. Yeah, right. Yeah, Answer uh, that then. There we go. That's a, that's a tricky one. <laughs> it's super difficult because they're covering every single player. What you need is movement from your player. Yes. Because all your players are going to be standing completely still. One thing that you could do, is try to make your players run. So either using the L1 or the R1, I usually use the R1 because um, then your players will come to get the ball. You know, Interesting. And when you when you pass them, the defender will follow. And when he does, there's going to be some space being left in behind that defender. So for example, on the wing, what I usually do, I pass it out to my fullback. I try to get my winger to try to come and get the ball. And whenever their fullback is trying to cover him, there's going to be some space being left in behind. And they're usually not great at tackling the ball, like the AI. So from there, I usually kind of like just turn because it's kind of unexpected. And their defender is just going to keep running towards your goal. And so I find it a lot easier to keep being possession on the wing, actually. It sounds kind of weird, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, another thing would be to just um, kind of dribble yourself. So try not to use your defenders in doing that. Try to get one of the more technical players that's kind of connected, I suppose. But mostly they're not going to try to get the ball from you manually. And the AI is not great at tackling whenever you're dribbling. So try to get around them somehow. Yeah, especially when, when your opponent's controlling an attacker. The defensive awareness really matters this year, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it's, the, the advice that I would give is kind of, it's the same as yours, but opposite. What I tend to do is encourage people to trigger runs forward manually because, as you say, you know, absolutely spot on. The AI will mark your players by standing in front of them. So if you play any passes into feet, they're going to get intercepted. That's the mistake that most people make. So what I tend to do is is just 
not even necessarily select a specific player. I'll just trigger a run from whoever I'm facing to at that moment and then play a chip ball over the top because as soon as you break that press, it's it's easy gold. And it's something that I'd really encourage people to practice because when you do get the hang of it, when it does click, you, you can you can be, I don't know, 70, 80% sure that you, you're going to end up with a breakaway one-on-one against the keeper. So it's definitely a skill worth developing, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not easy. Definitely not easy. Right. Okay. Our final question this week is from Rob Styles 21 And this is, this is a really common problem, I think. Rob says, do you have any suggestions for holding a lead after the 60th minute? More often than not, I'll have at least a two-goal lead and either allow my opponent to come back and draw late in the match, or other times if I'm up by three or four goals, I somehow allow them to get back two or three goals in the last 10 to 15 minutes and I barely come out with the win. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's kind of connected to what we're just talking about. Yes. You know, just try to take it easy and it is really easy to get back into the game if you're just down by a goal or two. Because you can just turn on the AI press and they'll do everything for you. Yeah. And it's so difficult getting out of that press, especially if you're playing against a really good player. So just try to keep the ball as much as you can. Try to look for that extra goal. Try to go down the wing. I know people hate it when uh, when you go down the wing when they're pressing. The, the wing, wing play is so effective this year, right? It has been for a few years. The thing is, people don't want to tackle around the sideline mm. because it's going to be a throw-in, you know? Yeah. It's just going to take a, even more time, you know. Crazy, but simple uh, as that. Yeah. And also try to get some set pieces, like getting free kicks, they'll reset the press, stuff like that. I think as well, something that I meant to mention and forgot is uh, select hug sideline on your tactics mm-hmm. because you want to make the pitch as, as wide as you can. You want your players to be spaced out as much as possible because then there's more ground for the defence to cover in the press. So that's definitely worth doing. Just sticking on this point for a moment about the wings, Lucas, do you think there's a case for tactically setting your sliders a little bit wider this year? Because attacking centrally is so difficult this year. Do, do you think that there's a case to be made for, for upping that width on the defensive slider? Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, um, I haven't really tried anything out. I just played 50-50 balance pretty much. Yep. <laughs> I try to win the ball high up, so you need the the width in your defending to do that. Um, I think I have it at like 55 or something um, defensively. But yeah, yeah, and I'm sure there's uh, there's a point in doing that. I think we're getting to that stage now where people are going to start experimenting a little bit more with tactics. I think it's generally the case that during the first few weeks, everybody just keeps the sliders in the middle there just while they figure out what works and what doesn't work and then they get a little bit more expansive and, and adventurous. So I'm sure we'll see a few things like that emerging as uh, as meta, Lucas. Meta, 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 meta. For sure, for sure. OMG, meta. Get 20 and 0 with these custom tactics, mm-hmm. etc. Right, Lucas, thanks ever so much for joining us again. Twitch, you're on it, but you're talking this strange language that, that nobody mm. understands just just this foreign babble it is a few people will understand it but i'm sure you'll <laughs> understand a word or two um yeah it, it is um it is sad that i've started making all my content now in swedish um but it's also a very uh liberating thing because in the swedish community i'm huge and 
I don't really have the time to be competitive when it comes to getting viewers in English. It's super difficult, you know. But people can still check you out for the gameplay. I mean, I regularly hop into your streams. Not that that's a reason for tuning in, but... You definitely can, and if you want to ask me a question on Twitter, it's fine. Like, do it in English, I'll respond in English. Um, and even if you get into the stream, and if you ask me something in English, I'll obviously answer you in English. So what are your links, then? Where do people find you on Twitch? Uh, FIFA Lucasinho, um, same on Twitter. So that's probably where you'll find me. And I suppose on this podcast uh, page on Twitter, you'll find everything from there. And you can follow the podcast on at Footballers Pod. If you want to follow me for some reason, you can do that on at the Foot Coach on Twitter. And yeah, that wraps us up for another week. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.